0: I had no experience with the disease, didn't know anything about it, and was basically rushed into treatment. And that's what happens, unfortunately, is is patients are rushed in to treatments they don't understand that have, in many cases, significant risks of harm and can even be life-threatening. And they're rushed in out of fear. They're told, you got to do this right away or you're going to die.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Holistic Navigator podcast, where we believe in the body's capacity for self-healing if it's given the proper nutrients and care it deserves. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Brian Strickland. I'm the producer of the show. And here with me in the studio, as always, is your host, Ed Jones. We are so excited about today's episode, and we're chatting with Chris Wark. And if you're not familiar with Chris, he's a cancer survivor, best selling author, and patient advocate. In the last decade, Chris has become one of the most well known cancer survivors on the planet and reaches millions of people per year as a blogger, podcaster, speaker, and global health coach through his social media and his website, crispicancer.com. We sit down with Chris to talk about his experience with cancer, how he used natural means of healing, and his new book, Beat Cancer Daily, 365 Days of Inspiration, Encouragement, and Action Steps to Survive and Thrive. So
2: let's get this episode started. Here is your host, Mr. Ed Jones. Thank you very much, Brian. And again, this is Ed with The Holistic Navigator. Today is one of those podcasts that I've actually kind of dreamed of and looked forward to if it ever could come to fruition. wasn't sure it could, but it did. And so I am honored to have, I guess I will call him a real hero because I followed this gentleman for, I know, f- probably 15 years. And uh, many of us know the title of kind of his uh, slogan or his book's chris b cancer welcome chris Wark from chris b cancer
0: well thanks a lot thanks for having me on
2: i know that despite the fact a lot of people uh, know of you heard of you there's obviously people that haven't so uh, perhaps give a little bit of history the fact that you had stage 3 colon cancer and what went on because you were a young fellow when this happened i think about 26 years old is that right
0: That's correct. I was 26, uh, having abdominal pain and, uh, hoped I had, you know, an ulcer or something that was, you know, not a big deal, but, uh, turns out after a a series of doctor's appointments and tests and eventually a colonoscopy, they found a golf ball-sized tumor in my large intestine, which is also known as the colon. And, uh, you know, most, most 26-year-olds don't, don't know what a colon is. <laughs> I was definitely a part of that group. <laughs> I thought it was a punctuation mark. Uh, but anyway, I, I learned very quickly. Uh, I got a crash course in, uh, in cancer and, uh, and what it's like to be a cancer patient thrust into the world of cancer as most patients are. I had no experience with the disease, no friends or family members that had been through cancer. Uh, and so unlike today, uh, you know, it's 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 so strange. You know, now it seems like we all know multiple people who've had cancer or have cancer. And at that time in my life, I didn't know anybody. I, I just, like I said, just didn't know anybody who'd been through cancer. I, I knew a couple of people that had had, had it you know, in the past, and, you know, but I, I didn't really know them when they had cancer, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a couple of men at my church that had had it, you know, in previous years. But anyway, so I um, was a very typical cancer patient in the fact that I had no experience with the disease, didn't know anything about it, and was basically rushed into treatment. And that's what happens, unfortunately, is, is patients are rushed in to treatments they don't understand that have in many cases, significant risks of harm and can even be life threatening. And they're rushed in out of fear. They're told you got to do this right away or you're going to die. And they don't have time to read or research or, or learn about their disease or take a step back and look at the things in their life that may have contributed to their disease. In fact, the question that most cancer patients ask their doctor, right, it's like the number one question. How did I get cancer? What, what, what caused my cancer? And the answer that they get in most cases is, well, we don't know what caused your cancer, but it might be, might be hereditary or genetic, or it may just be bad luck. But it's nothing you did. Nothing you did caused your cancer. So, don't, you know, don't get on the Internet. Uh, and, and and you know uh, and what that does is that there's an underlying message when you, when you tell a patient there's nothing they did is you're telling them that they're a victim of disease right nothing you did contributed to your disease therefore there's nothing you can do to help yourself you are a powerless victim your only hope is medical treatment and we can't even guarantee that you'll survive. Uh, But we're the only chance you've got, so cross your fingers, say your prayers, and let's get you signed up for treatment as soon as possible. So uh, it's incredibly disempowering, and in my opinion, borderline malpractice, to not educate cancer patients on the known causes of cancer, to not help patients understand the diet and lifestyle factors that are causing cancer so that they can change their life so that they can remove the causative agents in their life that may have, again, caused their disease or are contributing to it. So uh, it's really tragic because uh, humans have been studying cancer for hundreds of years. And there are thousands and thousands of studies on the known causes of cancer. It's really not a mystery. We know what causes cancer. It isn't just one thing. There are multiple causes. But when you connect the dots, it it starts to become very clear. If you educate a person on the known causes of cancer, they can quickly uh, identify those things in their life. And and if they really have a strong will to live, if they want to get well, some patients don't. Some patients have a death wish. But if they really want to get well, then they will take action to change their life. And that's what I did. I took massive action to change my life. Because I instinctively understood that I had a role to play in my life, and my health, my disease, and my healing. I had a part to play. And I just assumed that the way I was living was killing me. And so with that assumption actually came empowerment because it wasn't like I was sitting around feeling sorry for myself. Like, oh, this is all my fault. I'm, I'm such a terrible person. I screwed my life up. It wasn't like that. I realized if I contributed to this disease, to this condition, then maybe I can contribute to my health. In my healing, you know, maybe I can turn this around. What do I need to do? I just need some guidance. Show me what I need to change in my life. And I, I'm, I was willing to change everything. Now, I didn't come to these conclusions right away. Uh, in fact, it, it took a little time because I was rushed into surgery. Uh, and this is just a, a few days before Christmas was my diagnosis. And they wanted to get me into surgery immediately. And I was able to postpone it about a week and a half. So I went in for surgery on December 30th, 2003. It sounds like a long time ago, <laughs> right? Then it was 17 years ago. Uh, but I went in for surgery. They took out the tumor. They they took out some surrounding lymph nodes. When I woke up, they said it's worse than we thought. We, we were hoping you'd be stage two, you're stage three C. Um, and you're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy uh, in order to prevent a recurrence. And so, you know, that was, uh, that was tough because there was no talk about chemo up until that point. And so my diagnosis got worse and <clears throat> a couple things happened in the hospital. One was the first meal that they served me after cutting out a third of my large intestine was a sloppy Joe, which is probably the worst the best, worst example of industrial cafeteria food, <laughs> right? I mean, nobody likes Sloppy Joes. They don't serve them in restaurants. No one's ever asking, you know, the chef, like, can, can you whip me up a little something special on the back? How about a Sloppy Joe? And uh, up, up to that point, I, I just assumed the only place you could get a Sloppy Joe was uh, summer camp, the military and prison. Surprise. Also, you can get one in the hospital if you have cancer, <laughs> it's a special treat, but, but the wheels were turning. Cause I just remember thinking like, this is horrible. I and mean, why are they serving this horrible food to sick people? I knew what healthy food was, right? Fruits and vegetables. Like everybody knows that. Uh, and so, so that got the wheels turning. And then, A few days later, when they told me I was free to go home and recover, you know, finish my recovery at home, my surgeon came in to check on me and we were just talking about what was going to, you know, what was next for me. And, and in, in the course of the conversation, I asked him, are there any foods that I need to avoid? Because again, they just cut my stomach open, cut out a section of my guts, sewed it back together. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I just want to make sure like hot sauce isn't a problem or whatever. Right? Everything he eats going through there. I don't want to melt the stitches with hot sauce, you know. So I yeah, so I just asked him this sort of like, hey, is there anything I need to eat or avoid or whatever? And he was like, No, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. So I was like, okay, you know, and that was, that was all the nutritional advice I got from my surgeon. So I, I go home and I'm recovering and, uh, try, you know, winning myself off the pain medication. And as I sobered up, I really started to think seriously about my life and my future and what my future, what the future had in store for me. And the future was chemo. The future was me becoming uh, a full fledged chemo patient, right? Losing my hair, losing more weight. I was already very thin. I was, I mean, I was already under, you know, basically underweight. It was very, very thin, uh, and weak and sick. And I just thought I, this idea of poisoning my way back to health did not make sense to me. And I grew up in a house, you know, with, I, I grew up in a family with a mother who was very naturally minded. You know, she didn't, She wasn't on any prescription drugs. You know, we never really went to the doctor. Uh, You know, I had a few checkups as a kid, but like we weren't like some families where you're just constantly at the doctor's office and everybody's taking some medications. And, you know, we just weren't like that. And so, and she was very much into natural health and healing and had read tons and tons of books. She was a voracious reader. And, uh, you know, liked to shop at the local hole-in-the-wall health food stores. And, uh, and I was always had, you know, cabinets, a cabinet full of supplements of all kinds and wheat germ and sprouts in the fridge, you know stuff like that. And, um, so, you know, I was, I I grew up around that kind of healthy, healthy kind of eating and healthy living stuff, but she wasn't that hardcore. Like, you know, we ate at McDonald's, you know what I mean? Like my first birthday was at a McDonald's. Like we ate fast food a lot. You know, it was just a part of, life in the 80s and 90s and and there i think there was a lot of uh there was a lot of ignorance back then uh, as to how uh terribly unhealthy fast food was right like no one was really asking these questions or talking about it and uh so you know most people just assumed like oh it tastes good and it's quick and easy this is great you know what i mean And, uh, and we saw my generation was the first generation, really the fast food generation because fast food restaurants exploded across the U S in the eighties and nineties, right? Taco Bell, Subway, Burger King, McDonald's, Arby's, Wendy's, you know, and then all, you know, Domino's pizza, pizza. I mean, you just on and on and on, right. Just every, every street corner, uh, in, in a major city like Memphis, yeah, I mean, there's just fast food everywhere, and um, so I I'm thinking about my life and my health and and you know what I wanted to do next, and I just didn't want to do chemo, I didn't want to do it, and I think most cancer patients don't want to do it, most cancer patients know they've seen what it's what it does to people. They know how highly toxic it is and they can imagine how brutal and miserable the suffering is that accompanies most chemotherapy drugs. And so I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I just had this internal resistance to it. Like my instincts, my intuition were telling me like, don't do that. You don't need to do chemotherapy. This is not going to, this is not for you. Uh, but I didn't have, I didn't have any other plan. And, you know, I didn't have resources. I didn't know anything. Uh, so, and so my wife and I prayed about it. And I just said, God, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, please show me. I, just, I, I help, right? I'm a Christian. We're believers. You know, one of the first verses that came to mind when I was diagnosed is Romans 8, 28, which says, we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him. We're called according to his purpose. And so I chose to believe that, that he was going to work this for my good. Um, but I also believe that uh, faith without works is dead. This is what it says in the book of James. Well, what is works? Works is action, right? So you believe something. That's, it's, so it's, it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to actually take action, right? To put your belief into action. And so I knew I had to do something. I, I just, didn't, just felt like I can't just sit here and do nothing. So anyway, I prayed and asked for, asked for guidance. And two days later, I got a book by a man who had healed his colon cancer with a raw food diet, raw fruits and vegetables, and juicing. And it just blew my mind. I, was, I, I just knew it was an answer to prayer. And as I read his story, I just thought, you know what? If this guy can do it, maybe I can do it. I asked for something, this showed up, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to radically change my life. I'm going to go eat this raw food diet, which was a very strange proposition. I mean, it's strange even today because most people don't eat raw food diet, right? But in 2004, January 2004, there was no YouTube, right? There was no social media. And so there was no way to kind of find out more about the raw food diet. It wasn't like there were a bunch of raw food celebrities, right? Beautiful, you know, uh, people on the internet espousing the virtues of raw food or a plant-based diet. Like it wasn't a thing really. And so, uh, it was, Mainly just a fringe diet for sick people, <laughs> right? That's that's w- w- the raw food community it was mostly people who were sick and trying to get well, or people who had, you know, uh, used to be sick and had gotten well, right? Doing that, and so I was really encouraged by that. Uh, and and as I dug deeper, I found more and more books and uh, doctors and influencers who were, uh, you know, raw food evangelists, I guess you could say, in, in the health and wellness community, in the holistic health community. So I can uh, overnight converted to a raw food diet and uh, bought a juicer and just decided, okay, I'm going to overdose on nutrition. I'm going to put so much good stuff in my body every day. I'm going to give it an abundance, more more healthy stuff than it has ever had. And, and let's see what happens. So it wasn't like, uh, I wasn't like doing it begrudgingly. I was excited to do, to do this. This was an adventure <laughs> for me. Right? And uh, I was also fearful, right? Because cancer was real. And I was afraid I was going to die. So I was channeling my fear into action positive action to help myself because, you know, fear can either, can, can do one of two things. It can either paralyze you into inaction, right? Or it can motivate you into positive, massive life-changing action. And so that's what it did for me. And, uh, my, you know, I wish I could say it was easy, The diet was the easiest part. The hardest part was the fact that nobody around me understood what I was doing. And there was a lot of opposition from people that I cared about a lot, very close to me, who told me, this is a mistake. This isn't going to help you. You've got to do what the doctor says. You've got to do chemo. And that made it increasingly difficult emotionally, right? Mentally, emotionally uh, to realize that all the people who I need the support from the most are, are not able to support me because they don't believe in what I'm doing. They don't understand it. And so this is a journey that I'm, I'm going to be taking alone. So <clears throat> I am fortunate in the fact that I'm an only child and, uh, I was, you know, kind of entrepreneurial and I, I was accustomed to doing things my way, <laughs> you know, Frank Sinatra style. And so it did not dissuade me. It, it was, it made me sad and it gave me, it was a source of stress for sure to have people telling me I was wrong. And, and that my answered prayer was, just, you know, not an answered prayer. It was just, I was just making a mistake. Uh, but I just knew this is, I prayed, I got something and I was like, I'm I'm putting my faith in this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of myself in a way I never had before. And I'm going to do everything in my power to support my body's ability to heal because my body created this disease. I think my body can heal it too. And I was finding more m- more and more encouraging testimonials and uh, in, in from going from book to book and realizing, okay, you know, other people have healed cancer too. Cancer can be healed. And so that was very encouraging. And um, you know, it took it took a lot of diligent effort, but I created a simple routine for myself to follow, which of course I talk about in my book, Chris Beat Cancer. I talk about the whole journey, you know, not the mental, emotional, and spiritual journey everything I did physically. And also there's a deep dive in the book about the cancer industry and the, the pharmaceutical and medical industries and how, how much corruption um, is in those industries and how patients are misled uh, by bad policy and not necessarily bad people in the industry, but by an entire system that is, uh, was, is created to generate as much revenue as possible off of the sick people. And uh, there's no real incentive to cure cancer, right? It's a nice idea, but the, the, the money is made in treating the disease, not in curing the disease. And so when you talk about an industry that's making billions of dollars every year treating cancer, it, there's not a whole lot of incentive to change, right? The incentive is can we make a develop a drug It works a little better than the current drug. And then we can steal all the market share from the current best drug for X type of cancer, right? That's the incentive. We just have to be a little bit better than the one they're using right now. And then billions of profits are going to look at the door. So, and it's gotta be a patented pharmaceutical, right? And that's why there's no research. Well, (laughs) Let me back up. There is research. There's mounds of research on nutrition and natural therapies, diet and lifestyle therapies, non-toxic therapies, what some people would call alternative therapies on cancer, right? And uh, numerous healing benefits of nutrition, natural non-toxic therapies for cancer. But the problem is this research is, is done. It's published. And there that's where it dies because it, it is not picked up. By the medical industry, or doctors, or the pharmaceutical industry, it just stops. It usually at the university level, right? There's, so the, the most powerful anti-cancer food is garlic. There's more studies on garlic and cancer than you can count. Uh, why do they not recommend cancer patients eat garlic? There's no money in garlic. There's no money in blueberries or broccoli or onions, mushrooms. There's no money in food there's no money in exercise there's no money in stress reduction and detoxification there's no money in natural therapies and and so they're just ignored and that's the reality right it's not really a conspiracy it's just the the way that the medical system and the cancer industry makes money is on patented drugs so they're only interested in what is what is the next compound, we can patent and sell for billions of dollars. And um, so that's a huge, that's a huge issue. (laughs) The cancer patients have no idea, have no idea what's happening behind the scenes, right? They have no idea that like the incentives that are driving the cancer industry and the medical industry, when they get sick, they're just told, Oh, this is what you have to do. Show up for this treatment, that treatment, this is your only hope. And then they just, they get put on the conveyor belt. And a lot of times it just doesn't end well, right? They don't, they're not cured. They suffer a lot. And then at the end they're told, you know, we've done all we can do and we're sorry. So my mission after I got well, uh, in, in 2010, I started a blog called crispy cancer and that ended up becoming the name of my first book. And I just, once I got well, uh, which was about six and a half years later, I realized, you know, I, I've learned so much. I just need to share what I know. I'm sure I need to share what I've been through. I, I want to encourage people and give them hope and inspiration and education like practical information that they can use to help themselves survive. And so I just started blogging. It was just a little part-time passion to share what I'd been through. I was in real estate. Like it was not any, in any way, you know, attached to my, uh, my business. Um, but little did I know there was just, there were thousands and thousands of people every day searching for information on healing cancer, on nutrition for cancer, on juicing and cancer, like all these topics that I was talking about on YouTube and on my website and on social media. And so people just, they found me, you know, I was, I was talking about what they wanted to, you know, what they wanted to learn about. And, and so my audience grew and, um, it's, it's really been a really fun, uh, you know, over 10 years as a public, uh, public patient advocate, uh, and health and wellness enthusiast and and survivor. Uh, I, it's, it's, it's really remarkable to think, you know, about how many people, I mean, there's no way I'll ever know. It's too many too many to count, but millions of website visitors, millions of YouTube, uh, you know, YouTube channel views and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it just has turned into this giant snowball that took over my life. (laughs) So after five years of, uh, as a part-time you know uh, cancer survivor and patient advocate it took over my life and, and now it's my full-time passion and uh, profession and uh, so it's been it's been incredible i mean it's been a really incredible journey and we've seen so many people heal in our in our private community and people that follow me we get testimonials constantly i mean every every day every week i mean they're just coming in all the time. It's, it's so wonderful and remarkable. And the big message is that, you know, you have to take responsibility for your life and health. You're not a victim of disease, right? Your choices matter. And the choices you make today can, can create health tomorrow. And your choices add up right over time. When you consistently make good choices, you will produce a harvest of good results, right? It's like the simplest explanation is like, you know, if you save money every week over a year or two or 10 years, you can have a lot of money saved up, right? Just by being diligent and saving a little money every week, right? In the savings account. And your health is the same way. If you're investing in your health every day, if you're making healthy choices every day, there's a snowball effect, right? And you're increasing your health over time. And so, um, this is, you know, that's the core of my message. And then the practical side of it is just showing folks how to do it, which I talk about in my book. And I have a course called square one that's more in depth for folks that really want to take massive action and change their life. And, uh, and then a new book just came out, uh, late last year called beat cancer daily. And I wrote that book as a daily, Uh, devotional and a daily inspiration, daily inspirational book. It's like you read one page per day and it's 365 days of inspiration, encouragement, and action steps to survive and thrive. And I just had a, I don't know. I just had a burden to encourage people every day. Like I wanted to be able to do that. And we even have an email series that that we email. They get a, a daily encouraging email every day. Uh, the Beat Cancer Daily email series. And that was really what where the idea started with an email series and then it became a book. But um, c- cancer's not, uh, you know, it's an everyday journey, right? All you can do is make good choices today, right? You can't fix yesterday. You can't do anything about tomorrow, right? The only thing you can do about tomorrow is you can make some plans, right? But the action happens right now right in this moment and today and between the time you wake up and the time you go to bed what what can you do to increase your health to help your body heal like what can you put in your mouth that can help your body fight cancer and heal cancer how can you use your body in a way that will increase your uh, and strengthen your immune system well exercise right it's it it works exercise strengthens your immune system. <laughs> like if you don't do it, you don't get the benefit. But if you do, you get it and it's like it's such a beautifully simple thing. Um,
2: well, let me let, me, the let wh- me if I can let me interject one second here. I cannot yeah. believe how impressed I am by your delivery, your your information and I personally and people who've listened to me over the past two or three years on the Holistic Navigator, or or spoke to me personally. You know, in 1972, Richard Nixon announced the war on cancer. At that time, we had one in 30 people who were diagnosed. Today, it's one in two, maybe one in three at best. So we're, we're losing that war. We're also losing the war somewhat of social media and and censorship because three years ago, I could have typed in the word uh, natural cures for cancer and your site would have popped up. Well, due to the, the algorithm change, you have to look for your stuff now. But the thing is, this world is – needing people like you who speak the truth and set personal examples for hope. We and I talked to I've talked or, you know, counseled so many people with health and thousands of people I have watched go through the cancer journey as you have. And they're desperate for hope because what you said about your family and people who are you know i don't know what word i would use you know more devotional to physicians and the medical community it's it's like polarizing it's it's a black and white issue you either go to the doctor or you're you're nuts and you know, I've have heard this same thing from so many people, and they give up because they don't have a support system. And I want to empower people, and I always say this: any health issue that's significant, we need to put a team together—a team of maybe a naturopathic person, a nutrition person, uh, a spiritual person, uh, people like you, Chris, that that can can do the the daily kind of work. And when I looked into your uh, New book. I loved. I just looked at a few of the chapters like the one cancer is a divine tap on the shoulder. Yes, because I always have said this often. Usually we get whispers about our health. We don't listen. Then we get a slight knock at the door. We still don't listen. But eventually a sledgehammer was going to come down if and that will make us pay attention. And hopefully it's not too late. So I love your new book. Beat Cancer Daily. And I also, looking on your Facebook post and the fact that, you know, you have like 300,000 people on your Facebook, I think, and you are worldwide. And, you know, I'm really... Um, inspired by your story. I'm also inspired by your your faith and the fact that you don't look for a single cure. You know it's like an orchestra playing that we have to put together the whole approach. And one of those, which you believe in as I do, well, many, everything we believe in together, which is food is medicine. Food is powerful. Uh, I'm huge into s- supplements too, which is basically concentrated food, but also the emotional state. I did a podcast on German New Medicine, which has a with why people get cancer based on trauma in their life. Well, uh, there's so many parts to this puzzle. And I also love the fact, which I totally agree, that the system today has wonderful people in it, but the system is broke. So they don't have any choice of how they participate by treating. But the thing is, the classification of any of us in a medical community as a victim. Guess what happens when you're a victim? You look for a rescuer and that rescuer is not in the mirror. It's somewhere outside of you. You have turned that around and you have empowered people with your story, your words and your information. They're not the victim anymore. They can be part of the guiding force. And uh, I just and I love the thing that you said that uh, is, you know, how common sense is it to poison our way back to health? poison our way back to health, it doesn't make any intuitive sense. So I just have to say, Chris, gosh, thank you for the wisdom that you are projecting on The Holistic Navigator, because this will be shared across the United States and actually in several countries. So at this point, uh, and also loved, and I downloaded about uh, several years ago, the thing on your website, the 20 questions to ask your oncologist. It's pretty strong questions, I will have to say, but if you did at least anyone who's just been diagnosed, I want them to download that that questionnaire because I'm not saying go actually take it in there, but at least know this different perspective. And then lastly, I'm going to shut up and let you finish this. But I, I tell people this all the time and they seem to be shocked. I said, you realize that the doctor is buying chemo at a wholesale price and selling it at retail, don't you? So when you walk in that room with those 14 recliners and everyone has an IV, they actually have a dollar sign on their forehead of at least $100,000 and sometimes Much more. And they're like, really? I said, yes. They're buying it and reselling it at massively inflated prices. So how would they honestly tell you that garlic is going to be a good food? Just like you said, Chris. So, um, I, so I'm going to be quiet here a minute, but tell people maybe more how, you know, they can empower themselves, of course, downloading or buying your, your, your two books, Cancer, Beat Cancer Daily and Crispy Cancer is two of the best ways to do that. But what other advice would you have here um, as we start closing down?
0: Well, thank you so much for that endorsement. It really means a lot. And um, I know you've been in this industry a long time and have probably seen a lot of people come and go. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's really we are up against uh, a, a very, uh, you know, a massive, right, massive billion dollar industry, right, multi billion dollar industry that has no incentive to change. And that industry is built on disempowering patients, right? Make turning them into victims, desperate victims who just go along with treatment and do nothing to change their lives. And again, I'm not faulting the doctors because the doctors are trapped in this terrible system. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, a person goes into med school. They have no idea what they're signing up for when they go into med school. And uh, physicians have the highest rate of suicide of almost any profession. Why is that? Because it's such an awful profession. It's so mentally, emotionally, just exhausting for for physicians, right? I mean, they're they're seeing patients like cattle. They're just herded through there like cattle. They they're not able to establish meaningful relationship with their patients. Patients. They're not able to really affect real change in their lives. You know, it's just like get them in, get them out to keep the bills paid. And you know, there's a drug for your condition. Here it is. There you go. And, um, and, and by the way, I just want to say, cause I, I don't know if I said this in, when I was sort of telling my story, but I did work with a medical doctor, right? I built a team like you talked about. I found a naturopathic doctor. I found an integrative oncologist who supported me. I, I never did chemotherapy, but actually he gave me IV vitamin C. And this was a man who had spent his whole life giving chemotherapy. He was in his seventies, his whole life giving chemotherapy to cancer patients. And in, in his later years, he just became more and more interested in natural non-toxic compounds that could assist the body in healing. And vitamin C is an incredibly powerful one, especially in IV form. Uh, and so, you know, but the first oncologist I saw told me I was insane if I didn't do chemotherapy and he was, incredibly rude to my wife and I and intimidating and sort of talked down to us and intimidated me and tried to bully me into chemo. And I never went back to him. And so there's, there's definitely an important part of my story there, which is you have to find, uh, you have to build your team, as you mentioned, and it might take a little time to find the right people. Uh, the first doctor you see doesn't need to be, doesn't have to be the doctor you work with. Right. Most patients, they, they get a referral to a doctor and they're just like, okay, this is my doctor now. You know what I mean? And, um, but the best doctors, the ones that are actually holistically minded, that care about their patients and really care more about their patients than some of the other doctors out there, they're not the ones that are advertising. Like you you have to ask around. You gotta, you gotta kind of beat the bushes a little bit to find these folks because many of them are, are, uh, concerned, right? That they'll be labeled a quack, right? That they'll be blackballed, that they'll they'll lose their reputation or whatever just for incorporating nutrition into their practice. Right? Uh, and it's it's crazy, but there is a, there is a silver lining to this, which is the number of doctors like this is growing. There's a there's a new movement uh, that is building of holistic integrative physicians, right? And who are focused on diet and lifestyle therapies to reverse disease first before, before drugs come into the picture, right? Like let's change your life. Let's figure out what's causing your disease. Cause if it's, if it's the food you're eating and your lack of exercise and your stress, we need to fix that first because the drug isn't going to fix it. So, so there's a lot of, you know, I'm very hopeful. I'm very encouraged because I'm, I'm, I'm meeting and I've interviewed many doctors like this on, on Chris dot com on my podcast and uh, on my YouTube channel. So, uh, and I'm constantly uh, meeting more and finding out about others and interviewing them and sharing their, you know, what they do, how they help patients. I've interviewed a lot of people who've healed all types and stages of cancer. So there's that information's on my website too, for folks that are looking for, help and encouragement. If you go to com and you type in in the search bar, type in breast cancer, you'll find a, a bunch of articles and interviews with people who've healed breast cancer, type in uh, lung cancer, type in thyroid cancer, type in lymphoma, type in uh, lupus, <laughs> type in multiple sclerosis. Got some incredible interviews with people who've healed uh, uh, diseases besides cancer uh, with a natural approach. And so, um, you know, that's what I get excited about. I just love sharing these stories, the stories of healing. Uh, you know, my story is just one of many, many thousands. It, it just so happened that I, I, I kind of rose to the top of, I guess, the top of the, the pile <laughs> because I was really aggressively trying to share my story. Right. And I have been for 10 years. And so I, I'm more well known, but my story's not any better. In fact, there are much better stories than mine. Uh, People who have healed cancer after all treatments failed them, people who've healed advanced stage four cancers with no treatment at all, Uh, and uh, no conventional treatment, I should say. So uh, that those are the kind of things that get me excited. That I will just keep keep uh, discovering and keep sharing with my audience and with the world. And I think you know, the more information we can gather together, uh, the more that just your average folks like me and you and people out there uh, will realize like okay, this is real. You know, this isn't, this isn't fantasy. It's not quackery. It's not, you know, some pipe dream or whatever. Like people really are healing. They're getting well. Sick people are getting well.
2: You, and, are, you are so and, right. And the, the thing is, Luckily that we still have the ability, people like you who are so well-spoken and and we're able to put together platforms that not only inspire people, which is critical, give them hope, but give them a game plan. Give them a starting place where – like when you woke up after your surgery, oh, you were – You know, you were clueless at that moment. You had to have some divine intervention to to know what's my next step. Well, we're lucky. And you said it right. You know, 2021, we've had, you know, the world has changed and some parts have been certainly chaotic and cumbersome. But the fact that we can access your information along with other people is is miraculous. In fact, you know, I'm hugely invested in the emotional and trauma state of causing disease. And your podcast number 276 on Crispy Cancer, Toxic Emotions Suppresses Immunity and Gratitude is the Secret. I mean, we have Mm -hmm. at our fingertips more available information than all the public libraries had in the world when I was in 18, 17 years old. There, There would be no way to access it. We're, we're in a state of magic with this knowledge and with people like you who are brave explorers. So, I mean, I can't thank you enough, Chris. This I guarantee you, this thank podcast you. will be listened to by many, many people. And it's going to inspire people who I personally and I have 23 actual employees at my nutritionw.com dot com, uh, the the uh, business and 17 practitioners. But this is the kind of podcast that when we speak to a client who is who's is spiraling down and is that feeling fearful state. And it's like the doctor said, you're, you know, a walking time bomb. That's one of the words they love to mm-hmm. use. Uh, yeah, you, you have helped people come to some peace with that to make a decision not in the fearful spiraling place, but in a wisdom, intuitive place, which is the only d- position to put yourself in to make those kind of decisions. So I, I yeah, let,
0: let me thank you. Let me touch on that, because You're right, fear-based decisions are almost always the wrong decision, almost always the wrong decision. And when we make important decisions in life, uh, they need to be based on facts and faith, not fear. And if you don't have enough facts, then you need to press pause and say, wait a minute, I don't, I'm not comfortable going forward until I fully understand, right? what 's happening right i 'm not comfortable going forward with treatment until I fully understand the risks and benefits of treatment which most patients don't do right they just they just rush in just saying, "Well uh, okay doc, whatever you say and they hope for the best right um, and uh, having faith in your decisions is so important too, and believing that what you can do will help you believing you can get well is really the foundation of Every person I know who has healed against the odds, they all have multiple things in common, which I talk about in my book. But the, the number one thing is they believed they could get well, right? They had that spark of hope and belief that they could get well, that, they, that they're not a victim, that they had the power to change their life. And they took full responsibility for their situation. And like me, they just said, you know what? I'm going to do everything in my power to get well, right? I'm going to do everything I can do. So what do I need to change in my life? And and they just they just set about this process of radical life change. And you can't do it all in one day. It takes time to change your life. You can change your diet in one day, though. That's pretty easy. But it takes time to kind of work out all the things like, the, the toxic relationships in your life, the sources of stress that need to be dealt with and removed, the people you need to forgive. These, these are all things I talk about in my book because I know we're running out of time. So if folks are like, wait, what, are you ta- what do you mean? It's in the book. <laughs> it's in, these themes are in both books. Uh, and, but there's a lot more to it than, than just diet or just supplements or treatments, right? It's total life change. And uh, again, this is a message of hope. And empowerment that you, if you're listening right now, you have the power to change your life. Your decisions today can will create your tomorrow, right? You are creating your tomorrow with your decisions today. And when you make good decisions, you produce a good harvest. If you don't make good decisions, guess what? You're probably going to have some results tomorrow in the future that you don't like. But we have power and agency and authority over our lives. God has given us free will to choose. And so uh, choosing life and health is uh, <laughs> never, never a bad decision.
2: Well, what an inspirational message. I feel like we've been in a, in a, uh, a holistic church or something. We've had a great, great <laughs> little sermon here. And I cannot, cannot thank you enough, Chris. And and again, I hope that you can come my way someday and we can meet and uh, have, have some time together. And again, uh, anyone who's listening and wants to access the two books, The Beat Cancer Daily, which I just read part of, extremely impressed. And uh, Crispy Cancer, which is his original book, but I do access all the free information on his website, uh, the social media, the blog. You have put together the kind of platform that makes it pretty darn easy for people to access. And and I say this almost every podcast, and the ones listening get tired of it. I separate the world into two classes of people: learners and non learners. When you have a disease of significant uh, consequences. You got to be a learner and I love what you yeah. said Chris about you know faith without work is dead because we both have seen people who have some faith, but they think that the magic wand is going to be waved either by their regular doc or or something up in the sky, and they just stay kind of still. They don't make much movement toward figuring out why did I get it to begin with, which is still one of the keys of what you and I both believe in. We have to look into our life, look into our interior, look into our psyche and start really being a detective of, oh, okay, so this I got to put all this together about what my past was to, to to help me to have a better future, and you have just put the, the pieces together at probably as well as I've ever heard anyone, Chris. So uh, again, thank you so much thank for you. being here with the Holistic Navigator.
0: It's, it was my pleasure. Thank you again for the opportunity just to to share my story and share what I'm I've learned and I'm passionate about. I just I appreciate that so much, and glad to be on the same team with you. We need more. We need more people in Tennessee on the holistic health team. <laughs>
2: so, Tennessee boys, trying to change the world, right? That's right. Hey, we can do it, brother. I believe. Well, you and I can. We're we're we both have the passion for that. I'm quite a bit older than you, but I'm going to hang around for a lot more years to uh, to make a change. Uh, even if it's small amounts daily, adds up hugely in the long run, and. The yeah. thing is, because we're in a place with social media, we are making a change throughout the world, not just in Tennessee. So with uh, with with great regard and great blessings to you, Chris, uh, and everyone listening, thank you for taking your time for another exciting episode of The Holistic Navigator. Have a great and fearless day. The information on this podcast
1: and the topics discussed have not been evaluated by the FDA or anyone of the medical profession and is not aimed to replace any advice you may receive from your medical practitioner. The Holistic Navigator assumes no responsibility or liability whatsoever on behalf of any purchaser or listener of these materials. The Holistic Navigator is not a doctor, nor does he claim to be. Please consult your physician before beginning any health regimen.